Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Texas Law Talk Radio, produced by Lone Star Content Marketing, serving DFW law and professional services firms. Texas Law Talk Radio covers local and national legal news, featuring prominent DFW attorneys and experts sharing current trends in popular legal practice areas, and law practice management. Partial support for Texas Law Talk Radio comes from our sponsor advertisers. We encourage our friends and colleagues to get in touch and share their ideas for new programs. You may contact me directly, Nick Augustine, at nick at lonestarcontentmarketing.com. Please be kind and share the links to our podcast episodes we promote in our social media pages. Texas Law Talk Radio programs are available on the Texas Law Talk Radio Facebook page. Today's program is what the Supreme Court of the United States same-sex marriage decision means to your Texas law practice. Here with attorney Ross B. Russell of Hampton and Associates, PC in Fort Worth, Texas. On today's program, the topics we're going to cover are first, the nature of the Supreme Court of the United States holding in same-sex marriage, community property laws, third, wills and estate planning, fourth, adoption and child custody. Then after the halfway break, we'll come back and talk about employee benefits and insurance issues, uh, some religious exemption limitation discussions, um, of course, the Amish bus driver doctrine, which is one of Ross's uh, coined phrases, so I look forward to hearing about that, as well as we'll round the show out with untangling some prior contractual substitutes uh, that attorneys crafted for individuals who wanted some rights but were not otherwise covered uh, as as married. Uh, our guest today, again, is Ross Russell. He is a returning uh, guest. He was on the 17th of June when we talked about the Supreme Court decision, well, the Supreme Court matter that was then pending, and we talked about some constitutional uh, background and issues, really explained the whole a framework of how it all works. So that's a good show to go back and listen to. Again, Ross Russell is a native Texan from Central Texas, and his passion for Texas law and constitution drives his focus in litigation. After graduating, number five in his class from Texas A&M University School of Law, achieved the highest score on the bar exam among the A&M law graduates. Ross is a longtime entrepreneur, and he launched his own firm, Russell PLLC, which is a full-service general practice firm. He also works as an attorney for the Fort Worth Law Firm of Hampton & Associates and is active with a variety of complex legal matters. Ross is active in the Tarrant County Bar Association and attends frequent programs in continuing legal education seminars. Ross will be a frequent guest on all Texas Law Talk radio programs, sharing his insight in Texas law and developments with our attorney and business professional audience. For more information, you can visit these websites. First, the Russell Law Firm, uh, www.russellrusselllawfirm.com, and also www.hamptonlawonline. So again, the russelllawfirm.com and hamptonlawonline.com. You may also contact Ross directly at Hampton & Associates by dialing area code 817-877-4202. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. 
Interaction with attorneys on our program does not give attorney-client relationships. This should be directed to a Texas attorney in your area. All legal rights in connection with this internet radio podcast are, of course, reserved. Let's go ahead and say hello to our guest, Ross Russell. Hi, thanks for having me back. All right, Ross, well, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon before a busy holiday weekend, but this is a, for us, this is our breaking, the breaking news. Uh, you know, we're, you know we're, we're within the week, but it's an important thing to talk about because most of the world is talking about the Supreme Court ruling, uh, and people are looking uh, into how it affects the people here in the state of Texas, and uh, also, and more importantly as well, uh, many law firms are asking, what does this mean to me and my law practice? So today we're going to cover uh, a variety of issues that come up in a few different law practice areas. But why don't we just dive right in, and uh, if you would please uh, sir, tell us a little bit about the nature of the Supreme Court uh, decision, and uh, let's go from there. Yes, okay, so uh, the nature of the Supreme Court decision. So on our last show, uh, I believe we discussed the variety of options that the court could rule on, in deciding in favor of same-sex marriage, and um, I predicted a middle ground for the court, and I was very wrong on that matter. The court went as far as they could in this ruling. They declared that same-sex marriage was a fundamental right, um, and so by a general explanation in our federal system in the United States, there are some rights that are uh, protected by the federal government. Those are considered not very particularly important rights. The federal government can protect, take away, modify those rights. Then the more important rights are protected by the states. The federal government has no jurisdiction to modify them. States can protect, modify, or take away those rights. And then some rights are so fundamental to our system of justice and liberty that they are reserved to the people. And no legislature, no legislature, whether it be local, state, or federal, can modify or take away those rights. And that is the uh, category of fundamental rights. That is what the Supreme Court declared that same-sex marriage was. They basically pushed the, that right from the federal government down from to the state, down from the state to the people, and left it there um, so, so that no elected body can ever touch it ever again. Um, that is a very far ruling from uh, what we predicted on the last show, and it will have consequences in the area of religious exemptions because uh, such a sweeping decision declaring that it is a fundamental right means that no state actor, um, if you are employed by the state or a any governmental body, city, uh, school district, anything like that, if you are a state employee, then you cannot infringe upon another person's fundamental right. And so that will come into play when we discuss the uh, religious exemption limitations. Um, now, given that this decision is so sweeping, of course it's going to have a very a big impact on Texas law and Texas law practice. So your uh, initial question, is, what is this going to mean for Texas lawyers, the short answer is more business because Texas is a community property state. So to go into our, our second uh, point here in community property laws and how that uh, affected, uh, Texas, of course, is a community property state. It's a former Spanish state, formerly owned by Spain. 
which is a civil law state which followed community property. Community property law states mean that when a couple gets married, the property owned by that couple is community property, meaning that it is one half owned by each of the spouses. Um, now, in, under Texas law, there is a presumption that any property that a married couple owns is community property. Um, that presumption can be rebutted by clear and convincing evidence if one of the members of the couple can show that they acquired that property before the time of marriage or by gift, devise, or descent, which basically means by gift or inheritance. Um, so by way of uh, example, if a couple was married in uh, 2010 in Massachusetts and moved to Texas the very next day, they began acquiring property. Texas did not recognize their marriage uh, for the past five years, and so the property that they acquired needed to be in, deeded in the name of one or the other. Well, now, because of the Supreme Court decision, that property is now community property. It is owned by the couple with an undivided one-half interest in each of the spouses. That is a big change in the holding of property. This is real property, real estate, uh, houses, boats, cars, whatever you can think of. Uh, that's now the ownership uh, in, in that those bits of property now. That's what Texas law will recognize. Um, and folding down into uh, our next topic of wills and estates, that also affects um, the disposition of property at a person's death. Um, because Texas formerly did not recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex, when a person who is married to a same-sex person died in Texas without a will, their property would not pass to their spouse. It would instead pass to their children, if they had any. If they didn't, then up to their parents. If they didn't have parents, then to their brothers or sisters, and it would go further out into the next of kin until you go down the family line. Now, in Texas, if you are a same-sex couple and one of you, the couple dies without a will, all of your property, community and separate, will go to the surviving spouse. Um, this is a big uh, deal for estate planning. It, it creates, it, it lessens some of the headache for same-sex couples, um, but it also can create uh, a bit of a dilemma for for others um, that have already worked out a, a workaround to the Texas laws and have to uh, undo that. Um, it also um, will affect a spouse's ability to um, make end-of-life decisions, such as uh, living wills, um, medical power of attorney, things like that. Uh, spouses can make those decisions um, when they are married, but previously under Texas law, a same-sex couple that was married, a spouse could not even visit their spouse in the hospital absent some sort of other contractual agreement, which was effectively a workaround that many clever Texas attorneys uh, figured a way to to work around the law as it then existed. Um, now that has changed, it will be a bit easier, but there will be, as we'll talk about at the end, some untangling of these clever workarounds. Um, and uh, going into uh, adoption and how that and child custody and how that sort of affects the wills and estates um, in Texas, Texas is very unique in that adopted children 
are able to inherit from both their biological parents and from their adoptive parents. Um, so a same-sex couple that adopts a child will obviously be able to pass on their uh, property to that child upon the death of the, of the couple. However, these adopted children of same-sex couples will also stand to inherit from their biological parents. And if they're minors at the time of the passing of their biological parents, then their adoptive parents, as the legal guardians of these children, will inherit from their biological parents. So as you can see uh, from just this complex bit of uh, uh, web weaving that's happening, um, same-sex family planning is was a very, very complex area of the law and is now just going to be a very complex of the law, area of the law. So it has gotten easier, um, but it will remain um, a unique um, opportunity for attorneys that are advising these couples on their family planning and on their legal rights and child custody issues. Um, mm -hmm. Now is definitely the time to... <laughs> to dig out some of those uh, client files and, and I would say call up some clients who, you know, especially if, you know, you have someone who you've done estate planning work for and the estate planning documents that you prepared are no longer rele relevant to their status and their family and their, you know, especially when you look at adoption, now we have adopted children. I mean, these things all really do uh, tie together. Um, I, I wonder if, uh, have you heard about any uh, any good, I suppose it's, I don't know if it's premature to, to look for this, but good continuing legal education seminars or other, uh, on a grand scale of any of the bar associations put anything out like that yet? Well, now I did, I had noticed that there were some uh, estate planning and family law CLEs that specifically discussed the former, the workarounds. Um, now, obviously, they're scrambling to change their uh, notes at this point, and I haven't seen any <laughs> that have popped up yet. But I'm assuming everything that you've learned at the workaround uh, CLEs is now moot, of course, and now you need a CLE to say how to undo what we previously taught you at your first CLE. Well, you know, <laughs> I hope that uh, when you find out about those, let me know as well, because I need to go to those CLEs, because I need to know all this, you know, as I write content, my firm takes care of our clients, and uh here we're at the break point in our program. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, uh, yours truly and Lone Star Content Marketing is a sponsor of this program and uh, this program of Texas Law Talk Radio. And what we offer at Lone Star Content Marketing is uh, everything involving uh, public relations, marketing, and advertising work for lawyers and, uh, of course, the collateral small business uh, professionals they work with as well. Um, what we do is we write and we manage original content for our clients' social media pages, their blogs, their newsletters, podcasts like this program, uh, their events, their public relations, uh, and also advertising campaigns. Uh, our practice is limited to law and professional services firms, mainly located in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Here at Lone Star Content Marketing, a few points uh, of why we are uh, a special firm and why people really like us. Uh, first of all, our content is always original, originally written for all of our clients. It's custom written uh, in uh, you know several practice areas. Um, I don't think that we do maritime law yet, but pretty much everything else under the sun. 
Um, and what we do is we work together with our clients who like to email us articles, ideas that they get in their inbox. Uh, we add those to the publication calendars. Of course, we're ourselves always scouring the news and the latest uh, court cases and events um, to propose uh, article ideas for our clients as well. Again, that goes for the blogs, the social media, and these podcasts. So it really keeps everybody engaged in issue spotting and sharing news stories and topics that really matter to our law firm uh, and professional clients as well as the people that they serve, all the uh, Texans out there uh, served by these greater DFW Metroplex law firms. Uh, we help them grab the information, explain it, tell a good story, and get it out there. Uh, and really the key to, to getting this done and why this is so important in advertising, in marketing, and in public relations, our consumer public out there expects to easily find lawyers online, and they want to see frequent original content on their websites. They want to see it on the blogs. They want to see busy social media networks. Uh, so, again, uh, it's no good to have a blog that hasn't been updated. It's no good to have Facebook pages that are stale and have no information that's current on them. So again, we take the keys and we run with it. We write and manage all of that marketing work so our clients can keep busy practicing law, getting out there at events, meeting new people, and uh, we make you all look good uh, on the back end. So um, go ahead and contact me, Nick Augustine, directly at nick at lonestarcontentmarketing.com to find out what we can do to keep your marketing machines moving so you can focus on work. You may also get in touch with me directly by telephone at area code 940 498-2863. Enough about us. Let's back to our guest, Ross Russell. Okay, Ross, we covered uh, the nature of the Supreme Court ruling, community property laws, wills and estate planning, adoption and child custody. Now another one that uh, was recently in the news with some lawsuits flying around about employee benefits and insurance. Those lawsuits now moot with the recent Supreme Court decision. So let's talk about the employee benefits and insurance, some religious exemption limitations, or lack thereof, your lovely uh, Amish bus driver doctrine, and of course, untangling some of those prior contractual substitutes that you've mentioned earlier. Yes, so the uh, employee benefits and insurance. Um, this is an interesting issue in that uh, it may appear at first glance that the issue is so simple because the Supreme Court case says that you can get married, and so, of course, any any uh, benefit that's offered to a spouse should include a same-sex spouse. And so many employers and attorneys look at the opinion and have read it and said, well, that's my conclusion, close the book, we're done, okay. Well, that is maybe a disservice to your client, and for clients, uh, you may need to talk to an attorney for a little more than that because there are some pitfalls that can come across. What What may happen and, and I'm uh, guessing that this may happen soon, is that some employer out there uh, may claim under uh, the, uh, in a, a very similar fashion, what Hobby Lobby recently complained of before the U.S. Supreme Court in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act um, in uh, a separate case, a separate law that was requiring them to do something that violated their religious liberty. And as we've said, um, and kind of this is starting to fall into our next uh, topic, but I'll kind of uh, keep it on the employee benefit side of it. Um, as we've said, the Supreme Court said that same-sex marriage is a fundamental right, which means that no state actor will have a religious exemption uh, from, you know, they, uh, a state actor may not uh, 
infringe upon a person's fundamental rights due to that person that personal state actor's personal beliefs. However, private parties are free to discriminate. Um, according to the opinion, a critical reading of the opinion leaves intact private parties' um, ability to to withhold uh, benefits if it violates their religious beliefs. However, one more wrinkle in, in the uh, opinion, if the benefits, of course, are offered to spouses, say in health insurance, dental, etc., then it must be offered to same-sex spouses. So an employer that uh, has a religious uh, um, issue with providing benefits to same-sex couples may uh, contact a lawyer and tell that lawyer, I do not want to give benefits to uh, the spouses of my employees that, that are same-sex spouses. And they may ask how that can be done. And um, a, a good legal counsel would need to be had for that. But the short answer from uh, looking at the opinion looks like you would have to prevent all employees from getting benefits. You could not just deny uh, the, that particular subset of employees from their benefits. So um, mm-hmm. some employers may want to do that. Um, it's going to be a very complex area of law if employers do want to start opting out or changing things or 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 don't want to be as as even-handed with their benefits. So mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of along the along the same lines of uh, some states who talked about uh, obliterating the option to license for marriage. At all, um, that exactly. you know, taking out, taking all of it out of there. So, but again, if it applies to one, can't discriminate. Has to apply to many. Um, and I think that a lot of people were originally uh, interested in how, you know, and as we talked about, if the court had come down on middle tier scrutiny um, on a gender basis, that there may have been some more carve outs for uh, agencies and parts of the government that did not want to comply uh, and add benefits. Um, and now the conversation has turned more religious exemptions. And definitely, I mean, this is mature on this, but uh, I've seen on the news uh, people asking uh, members of are concerned about tax-exempt status if they were to uh, turn away uh, same-sex couples. So all sorts of interesting issues there, but I'll let you continue on with uh, any more on the employee benefits and insurance or uh, moving on to religious exemption limitations. Yes, yes. So I'm uh, going to talk about the exemption limitations and to sort of uh, articulate where the uh, limitations, uh, where where the limitations begin. I guess I should say, um, when it comes to state actors, um, I'm going to share the uh, what I'm calling the Amish bus driver doctrine, um, and the the Amish bus driver doctrine is basically this: um, school districts in Texas and in many, many states, almost every single state, are government entities. They are, they are local governments. So a local school bus driver is a government employee. Now, um, the uh, many states have passed legislation that protect individuals' religious uh, freedoms and religious objections to certain activities. However, um, and this is sort of a common sense doctrine, um, Amish, the Amish faith is against driving any kind of vehicle, any motorized vehicle, which would include bus drivers. Well, 
by way of common sense, an Amish person, a devout Amish person, cannot apply to be the school bus driver, get the job, take a salary, and then refuse to drive the bus based on a religious exemption. And so that is my, my shorthand for that is the Amish bus driver doctrine. And what that basically means as applied to this issue is this. Um, local county clerks, individual employees may be able to uh, refuse in their individual capacity to issue a marriage license, but an employee of the county clerk needs to be there to issue the license. In other words, if everybody from the clerk's office recuses, then you have an Amish bus driver situation. Everybody is refusing to do the job that they have to do. But if it's only if everybody recuses except for one person in the office who's willing to issue that marriage license, then in theory, you have a limited religious uh, exemption. So in, in theory, as long as the clerk's office as a whole is issuing marriage licenses, then there should be no issue. Um, now, this is a little more nuanced than uh, our attorney general's uh, opinion on the matter, but I think a critical reading of the case would show that individual employees could recuse if they simply see a same-sex couple um, applying for a license. They could recuse, um, provided that there is another employee willing and able to hmm. issue a license. Um, There's so, an interesting, it's an interesting uh, analysis of that, you know, and uh, some of the things that I've also seen are county clerks saying that well, I understand that uh, the attorney general has talked about uh, some religious carve-outs that they've said that they've sworn to uphold the laws of the state of Texas. And so it sounds like even though the, the AG's office might not come down on them um, for exercising that religious option, that they also said that they could face litigation uh, and fines. And, of course, that there were pro bono attorneys uh, ready to take some of those cases. But um, I think based on, a, you know, what's the best economy for your office? And, you know, it's, I mean, you're a state actor when you're working for the uh, for the state and uh, you're a county clerk so um, we'll see there's still some holdouts uh, who are not I believe uh, issuing those licenses but um, I don't know I think that some of that might just be a lot of rhetoric that may uh, go away um, and so or, or will or there'll be challenges I mean this is Texas you never know that 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 is right there could be um, and we you know there could be certain county county clerks that wish to uh, withhold altogether um, from issuing any marriage license, same sex or opposite sex, that might be easier for a court to stomach rather than selectively granting uh, marriage licenses. Or like I was saying, if if the if all employees except for one in the county clerk's office have an objection, as long as one is willing to issue that marriage license, in the eyes of many courts, I would guess that uh, that would not be viewed as a uh, discrimination or a failure to uphold their oath because at least right. one actor in the office is willing to do it. Um, and, you know, another thing before we get to untangling some of those contracts, um, yeah. uh, whether whether certain judges will perform uh, same-sex marriages, that's another thing that we have. Now, we haven't seen much in, in, in the news and we haven't ever, I, I wonder if, there will be a judge who will say, no, I object and do not want to perform a same-sex. I wonder if there will be 
sued, uh, you know, to be compelled to do so. That remains to be seen. So, um, you know, anything involving law, religion, politics is a is a mixed bag, and we never really know what's going to come down the pike. But um, we have a few minutes left to talk about untangling what you talked about as prior contractual substitutes and workarounds. Uh, for those who wanted uh, the privity of contract with certain things but otherwise couldn't get it through traditional marriage. Yes, that's right. So there was a cottage industry in Texas and and many other states of uh, attorneys that were very creative and came up with these, uh, basically like we said, marriage substitutes, workarounds, um, and all sorts of ways to get same-sex couples almost all of the rights that a married couple could get, but by other means. And now, with uh, same-sex couples being granted full recognition of their marriage, um, there are these complex workarounds that are left in place. So some, a couple examples of some, uh, rather than get married, uh, couples would create a, a living arrangement contract or a domestic partnership contract. Now, some Texas law said we don't want to call it domestic partnership, so then they started calling it uh, roommate relationship contracts and different things of that nature. Um, in estate planning, there are things called family limited partnerships that families have used to avoid the probate uh, process for years. A lot of same-sex couples started using family limited partnerships to give each other the rights of married couples, um, but in the eyes of the rest of the world, to third parties, they were business partners, <laughs> even though they were effectively married. So there are a, a whole host of different kinds of contractual arrangements. Um, some are very complex. Some are multiple businesses, LLCs, that are holding property that's, that's controlled by this couple, but that uh, effectively operate as um, businesses where at, wherein the business is um, conducting their lives together as a married couple. Um, those are going to have to be, I suppose they don't have to be unwound, but there will be a large business unwinding those and getting these same-sex couples in a traditional marriage situation with all of these extra uh, steps of contracts and different devices just thrown away by the wayside to make it uh, effectively more simple for the couple to manage their affairs. Right. Hmm. A lot, 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 lot of work involved in, in some of this. And, um, you know, as, as people started talking about my friends and family law, I uh, talked about, you know, how many people out there have children, um, you know, and there's not a, you know, there may be a father who's not around in the picture, maybe only one one of the parties has uh, rights, you know, uh, parental rights, and now, you know, they have a, a new spouse. Uh, so, I mean, just looking at adoption uh, cases or, or how many of the, the people who came in from other states, if you said Massachusetts, um, who, you know, let's, for example, they got married in Massachusetts 2010, they come to Texas, Things don't go well. The 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 people are split apart, and um, but have a, a marriage that's out there in one state, and now the opportunity to get uh, divorced in the state of Texas, uh, and have Texas community property laws, uh, you know, apply to them in their situation. So, again, um, there's a lot of work out there. Uh, anyone who works in family and domestic relations is uh, certainly going to get a lot of interesting calls. That's why we wanted to do this program today. So, Ross, I want to thank you again for your time and explaining some of the ramifications of uh, last Friday's Supreme Court decision. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Well, I want to also, and I look forward to having you on uh, next time. We'll be talking about other things outside of uh, uh, this topic. 
Um, but I want to also thank our listening audience again for uh, listening to this episode of Texas Law Talk Radio. Again, brought to you all by Lone Star Content Marketing and with support from our local sponsors. Texas Law Talk Radio episodes are programmed to educate and provide resources in law and litigation. We want you all to have the tips, tools, and news necessary to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. Thank you all for sharing our programs when you find them in our uh, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, newsletters, what have you, because uh, that's the nature of sharing social media and how people find out about, uh, again, news and uh, law and things they can use. So, again, uh, this is Nick Augustine for Texas Law Talk Radio, and, of course, I thank you all for your time.